It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, we have a defensive coaching staff. The Titans finally hired an inside linebacker coach to take over for Tyrone McKenzie. So we are going to talk about who that is and what that means for the responsibilities of this coaching staff going forward. Then we are going to talk about this division. I want to remind you guys, next week is our ultimate division crossover. We are going to have five straight episodes with all of the hosts of the Locked On podcast from the AFC South. So I hope you guys enjoy that. We are getting that all set up for you. So that'll run next week in preparation for that. I want to talk about the offseason storylines and the news and notes so far this offseason with all of our division rivals in the AFC South. So we're going to go over all those teams and it is quite fun. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be a good time for us Titans fans talking about that, getting ready for that ultimate division crossover next week and then we are going to cap off the Friday show as we have come to do with a nice mailbag so a lot of you guys sent in questions to me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans also put some questions in the reviews and in some of the Facebook communities so I'm going to answer your questions as we get ready to head off into the weekend a lot to talk about let's get it On Thursday, the Titans announced that they would be hiring NFL lifer Jim Hazlitt as the inside linebacker coach. Hazlitt has coached for 24 seasons in the NFL, 12 of those as a defensive coordinator with the Washington Redskins, the St. Louis Rams, the Pittsburgh Steelers where he met and began his relationship with Mike Vrabel who was a player at the time and for the New Orleans Saints. He also was a head coach for the Saints for five years where he actually won coach of the year in 2000. Here's an interesting fact about Hazlitt. He was an NFL player for eight seasons as well, drafted in 1979. Mike Vrabel said that he was going to be filling this position with a veteran, and that is exactly what has happened. Vrabel had this to say about the hiring of Jim Hazlitt. Quote, Adding quality coaches to our staff has always been my priority with the ability to teach, develop, and inspire. I have known Jim since my rookie season at Pittsburgh and was impressed with how he taught and developed the players on our defense. Over his career, he has experienced success as a head coach, defensive coordinator, and linebacker coach. He brings great experience in our defensive system along with great energy and passion for his players. We are excited to enhance our defensive staff and be better teachers and developers of our players." End quote. What may be more interesting than the Hazlitt hire itself is the way that it was announced on social media. The Titans' official account on Twitter used the term finalize, that the hire would finalize the Titans' coaching staff. That leads us to believe that the reports from Teron Davenport a few weeks ago were 100% correct and that the Titans will not be hiring a defensive coordinator and that Mike Vrabel will be taking over most of the responsibilities that come with that role. As we've mentioned before, there are other examples of this in the NFL. Sean McDermott for the Bills calls plays on defense. Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Vikings, although they have co 
defensive coordinators, he calls the plays. You see it quite a bit on offense with the young offensive coaches like Cliff Kingsbury and Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan. So these are things that do happen quite often. Will Vrabel delegate some of that responsibility now that he has an experienced veteran coach on his staff who has been a defensive coordinator for quite some time? It would make sense if Mike Vrabel was installing the game plan, making sure that the coach understand what needs to happen, but would allow a veteran like Jim Hazlitt to actually call the plays, someone who's had experience calling plays for over a decade, or will Mike Vrabel divvy up some of the other responsibilities to Jim Hazlitt or someone like Anthony Midget, who he brought over from Houston and converted from the Texans, and then do the play calling himself? Either way, there is an example of it in the NFL. If he decides not to call the plays, if Vrabel decides not to call the plays and hands that off, well, New England is an example of that, and while you don't want to take too much from New England because it's quite a unique situation. It is still an example in the NFL of that sort of power structure working out. Now, we are still left with questions about how the inside linebacker coach position came up anyway. Speaking of that report from Teron Davenport, I find it as no coincidence that the day that that report came out also Quickly came the reports of Tyrone McKenzie leaving to take the exact same role for the Detroit Lions. Not a promotion, not an upgrade, anything like that. Clearly, it's fair for us to speculate as to whether or not Rabel's decision to take over that role and not hire a defensive coordinator or promote a defensive coordinator from within his current staff made a difference on whether or not McKenzie stayed around. Now, there were some other dominoes that took place because of the decision for McKenzie to leave and the staff shaken up a little bit with Coombs leaving and Pease retiring. There were some other defensive changes, although slightly less important. We still want to make sure that you are updated. Ryan Crow went from a defensive assistant to the assistant special teams coach. Matt Edwards went from assistant special teams coach to a defensive assistant. So Crow and Edwards sort of swap positions there. And then Scott Booker went from a defensive assistant to the safeties coach. So a nice upgrade there for Booker. As the Titans account said, though, that finalizes the Titans coaching staff. So that's the last conversation we will have to have about that until Mike Vrabel answers some more questions about how he's going to delegate the responsibilities. But I would imagine that will come much, much later in the offseason. We are going to jump into a little bit of a primer for our Ultimate Division crossover that will take place next week. We are going to talk about all of the headlines surrounding the Titans division rivals so far in the offseason. Can't wait to talk about that. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, Getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on, you'll get 
40% off a Calm Premium membership. With Calm, you have access to nature scenes LeBron loves like rain on leaves and so much more, sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron by using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content that helps you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, that's what threw a couple nuggets out on Allen. And I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. It's a Friday. Let's have a little bit of fun with, like I mentioned, the Ultimate Division crossover coming up next week. Let's talk about each of the Titans division rivals, the Texans, the Jags, and the Colts, and just check in on how their off-seasons are going so far. Like I said, it's Friday. Let's have a little bit of fun here, guys. Let's start with the Houston Texans. Well, the biggest news there, other than some coaching changes that they had, is that Bill O'Brien officially announced as the general manager. He somehow has gotten to a position where he has some of the most power of any person in the NFL. He's calling all the shots on the field, calling all the shots in the front office. It's pretty incredible. And there are reasons that that responsibility is split up into two different jobs. When you're a head coach of a football team, you got to worry about winning right now. Everything you do has to be geared towards winning immediately. When you're a general manager, while you want to put the best team out on the field possible, you have to think about the future as well. It just doesn't make sense that a coach and one person would be able to do both roles. Now, of course, some of you are saying right now that Bill Belichick basically is that in New England. And while you're right, no one is Bill Belichick. I mean, even Bill Parcells wasn't given that sort of autonomy. So it's pretty wild that Bill O'Brien has somehow gotten here, especially after the complete collapse that they had in the playoffs against the Chiefs. I don't understand how that could happen. And you look back at some of the moves he made, Carlos Hyde for a fifth, Duke Johnson for a third, the Laramie Tunzel trade with two first-round picks. I mean, all of that screams win now. It doesn't look like the type of moves that a general manager would make. And I, as a Titans analyst, as a Titans fan, cannot be any happier 
about that development. Bill O'Brien, the general manager, is going to run that team into the ground. So can't can't take that as anything but good news for the Titans. It's just fascinating and hilarious, quite frankly, that you know the way that the Texans went out in the playoffs turned into Bill O'Brien getting even more power within that organization. So just just wild turn of events there down in Houston. Moving on to the Indianapolis Colts, and while they didn't have anything catastrophic take place so far, it's still time to sit back and take a look at how much Andrew Luck really left them in a bad position. It's clear now that Jacoby Brissett is not the answer. We're hearing rumors of all the quarterbacks that they're looking at in the draft and free agency. It is obvious that they're going to have to find another solution at quarterback and this time they're not getting a number one pick to save them. So that in itself is something to laugh at but it also appears that their stud left tackle Anthony Costanzo may be retiring and one of the things that Colts fans have hung to so tightly in the past few years is that vaunted offensive line that they have now. Well, if you're losing the left tackle of that line, it's definitely going to be a detriment. It's going to be something that they're going to have to focus on. And now do they shift their focus in the first round from being able to take a quarterback, trading up for a quarterback to having to take an offensive tackle, which there will be a lot of good offensive tackles in the first round this year in the NFL draft. So it puts them in a very tough position and back-to-back off seasons to lose their star quarterback and then to lose their rock-solid left tackle. So from a Titans perspective, hey, can't be mad about that. Moving on to the final division rival, the dumpster fire going on down in Duval. The Jacksonville Jaguars have had an embarrassing offseason, starting with all of those player grievances against Tom Coughlin and the Jags organization, and then the statement that the NFL Players Association put out, basically telling players not to sign with the Jaguars. Well, they ended up firing Tom Coughlin for that, and you would think that Doug Marone, who led such a, a disappointing season, and the Jags were getting blown out big time before they got that win against the Raiders. They had a couple of losses in a row of double digits, 20 points. They could completely quit on Marone, so you figured that he would be out. Caldwell had done a terrible job of getting a quarterback in there who could actually lead and then had to give up Jalen Ramsey, so you would suspect that those two would be gone and that the Jaguars would clean house and try to start anew. Well, no, that wasn't the case. They fired Coughlin, but kept Marone, kept Caldwell, and then just recently they hired Trent Baalke. If you recall, Trent Baalke was one of the people who put together that San Francisco 49ers team that went to the Super Bowl, led by Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach. Well, Baalke didn't have a great track record at the end of his tenure there in San Francisco. He got on the outs with Jim Harbaugh, causing Harbaugh to leave the organization. Then he hired terrible coaches back-to-back with Jim Tom Sula and then Chip Kelly. He got in disagreements with the ownership there and eventually was gone from San Francisco as well. So bringing him into the fold sounds like an excellent, excellent hire. Then the cherry on top. The dumpster fire got gasoline poured on top of it when the Jaguars announced that they would be playing two home games 
in London. The Jaguars are basically guaranteed a London game every single year because they want to go do that. The owner, Shad Khan, wants to do that. He's trying to capitalize on that European market over there and develop a big fan base in London. And a lot of people have made jokes about the Jaguars moving to London. It's something that gets joked about on social media quite a bit. But this is the first time that we've seen any real true evidence to kind of start putting those pieces together. The Jaguars will be playing not only two home games in London, but they're going to do them back-to-back, so their players are just going to stay overseas. There are a few different wrinkles to this that make it pretty interesting, and that's that taxes are way worse in London than they are in America, so players are not going to be enticed to play for the Jaguars knowing that eighth of their game checks every year are going to have way harsher taxes on them than they face here in the states. Now, compensation for that is there are no state taxes in Florida, so that helps them out a lot with taxes when they are playing at home. But hey, you only get eight home games a year to take advantage of the tax rate because you pay the taxes based on where you're playing the football game. So you only get eight games per year, and now two of those are going in London where not only do they have tax, but it's much higher than you're used to in the United States. Very interesting. You're seeing a petition go around online of Jaguars fans basically saying not to play those games and that they're not going to buy season tickets anymore and a lot of the fan base is really disappointed in Jacksonville about this development and as a Titans fan you just got to sit back and say hey told you so that owner wants to move the team to London and whether it happens five years from now 10 years from now however long it takes Khan is going to move the Jaguars out of Jacksonville into London. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen progressively. They're going to play two games the next couple of years, and then all of a sudden it'll be four games the next couple of years. So keep an eye out on that, and everyone who ever joked about the Jags going to London, well, jokes always take on reality, and it appears that that is getting closer and closer to being the Jaguars reality. The London Jaguars. I mean, it even has a ring to it. (laughs) So let's all share a laugh at the Jaguars expense before we move into our ultimate division crossover next week. That's going to be great. I hope you guys enjoy that. I'm going to be doing Google updates every day. So if you guys don't know, I also do Google news updates so that you can ask your phone for an update if you have a Google device and it'll, it'll pop up with me giving you the most recent story on the Tennessee Titans. So I'm still going to be recording those fresh every day for the most recent news. Otherwise, all of these Ultimate Division crossover shows, we are going to get together with the other Division, you know, AFC South locked on hosts and record all these shows for you guys in one sitting. Just logistically makes the most sense. So if you want the most up-to-date content, if news drops, anything like that happens next week, check out those Google News updates and you'll be getting me giving you all the most recent information. Now, we are going to close out our show with a mailbag. Third week in a row, we are doing that. Going to keep it rolling throughout the offseason. Of course, appreciate all you guys asking me questions and get started now. If you would like, ask more questions on social media at Tic Tac Titans. Leave a review for me and leave your question in there and I will read it as well. Make sure we keep this mailbag going for next week and I'll get some questions in the hopper so that we are good to go for next Friday. So we'll come back with that next.
let's head into the weekend with a mailbag. So we will start off with a question from Jasum Moffitt asking, will Cam Wake be back? Well, my answer to that is most likely not based on his cap hit. He's set to make about $8.5 million next year. Cannot pay him that much money based on what we saw last season at his age. So I would expect him to be cut if he's unwilling to restructure his deal. He was very productive in his limited snaps throughout the season due to injury. So if the Titans were able to bring him back, but at a much lower rate, then I could see him back on the team. But if he's unwilling to do that, then no, I would not expect to see him back. Tyler Williams asked, if I could only sign one, Logan Ryan or Jack Conklin, who would it be? My answer is Logan Ryan. I think not only on the field, but his leadership off the field and in the film room is very important to the culture of this football team. I also think that it's going to be a lot more difficult to find a good cornerback than it is to find a good enough tackle for the Titans to keep things going. So I would rather have Logan Ryan back over Jack Conklin, and I think Logan Ryan will be cheaper as well. Sean Grant Lamal asked what lower tier pass rushers would I be interested in if we couldn't get, you know, the top crop and Gakwe, Clowney, Barrett, and I would be looking at a couple of different people. You don't want to pay too much for these guys, so you'd be looking to get a bargain, but Bud Dupree from the Steelers, Dante Fowler who played for the Jags and the Rams, Robert Quinn from the Cowboys, the veteran who was pretty productive last year. I would be interested in Robert Quinn and then Matt Judon from the Ravens. Feel like you could get a pretty good bargain there compared to some of the other edge rushers if you went that route. So out of those four kind of second tier edge rushers, I really like Robert Quinn and Matt Judon out of those. And then he also asked what are my expectations for edge DeAndre Walker going into 2020. I just hope that he can stay healthy, get some reps out there, get used to the NFL game, and then possibly contribute on special teams. So hopefully he's just able to contribute to the football team when he was taken with a fifth round draft pick. Sean Michael Haddam basically asked if Harold Landry was overvalued by Titans fans. And I would say, yes, probably so. This team is so starved for an edge rusher that anyone with potential and some skill out there will really get the fan base going. But I wouldn't say that it's fair to say that he's overvalued. That's only because of the fans' reaction to what he does, not not necessarily for what he actually did on the field. His nine sacks were incredible, but it was pretty awesome obvious throughout the end of the season that he wasn't quite the player that he was at the beginning. Now, is that because he had to rush a lot more due to all the injuries in the secondary and the team scoring a lot more points? There's a lot of different things that contribute to that. I think he's going to get a lot better and get more consistent. So right now, just because the fans are so starved for an edge rusher, I would say he's overvalued, but I wouldn't say that he's overrated as a player. So I think that's pretty important. Adam Grice asked, do I think Logan Ryan is going to walk? And what is Daquan Jones's value, basically? 
I can answer both of those questions pretty quickly. I really do think Logan Ryan is going to leave and go, you know, possibly somewhere like Philadelphia. You're hearing rumors of that. Unfortunately, I just don't think that the Titans are going to want to spend the money necessary to bring him back, even if I think that he's going to be generally cheaper than maybe some people are thinking. I don't think it's going to be anything much more than $10 million a year for Logan Ryan, but the Titans may not be able to pony up that cash. And as for Daquan Jones, he has incredible value as a nose tackle. He had a very good season. Now, I will couch all of that by saying this. The Titans cannot pay Daquan Jones $8.5 million like he's slated to make in 2020. As a nose tackle, as a two-down player, he's simply not worth it. The Titans need to find an interior disruptor so that he is not on the field pass rushing. So you cannot give just a nose tackle. When he was given that contract, he was a five technique. He played defensive end in the 3-4, also played a little bit of nose tackle. He was given more value to the team, was more versatile. But someone like Jeffrey Simmons was drafted to take over that spot so that Daquan could be solely a nose tackle. And the reality is a nose tackle in the NFL doesn't have quite the value that the other positions around them will have because they're usually only on the field for first and second down for run possible downs. So I think Daquan will have to restructure his contract. He should do that because the Titans cannot afford to give a player of his caliber $8.5 million next season, even if he's fantastic in the role that he's supposed to play. The role that he plays just simply isn't worth that sort of money. So that's how I feel about those two questions. Brandon Reed asked, do I see Delaney leaving? And yes, the answer is a quick yes. I think Delaney has seen his last days in Tennessee. I think that's pretty obvious from everything that we saw at the end of the season and his inability to get back out on the field. It didn't really seem like he was very interested in that either. So yeah, Delaney is gone. He played a role here. He was a big part of turning around this team. So you got to give him his his credit, but Jonu Smith is ready to go. Anthony Ferkser is going to be brought back and, and is ready to play a role like he was able to the last few seasons. I just don't see the need for Delaney Walker at eight some million dollars. He'll probably be cut and, and let move on and Hopefully, he sees success in the future, but I'm not certain how he's going to be able to come back and play in the NFL. And then the last question comes from Zach Navarrete, and he asks a non-football question. Obviously, I'm a Lakers fan. My tribute to Kobe and my conversation online, you've probably been able to pick that up. But he said, if the Lakers were not able to make it to the finals, what matchup would I want to see? And I definitely don't want to see the Rockets. I definitely wouldn't want to see the Clippers. Definitely don't want to see the Sixers or the Celtics. So I would be rooting for a Utah Jazz and Milwaukee Bucks finals or a let's say, Portland Trailblazers, because I really enjoy watching Damian Lillard play basketball, a Portland Trailblazers versus Milwaukee Bucks finals. I I really like Giannis Antetokounmpo and his entire story. I think it's uh, one of the, the least appreciated sports stories we have out there that should get a lot more pub than it does. So I would like to see him get to the finals and have that moment, that national shine. But I would also, on the Western Conference side, if my Lakers aren't going to make it, then I would be rooting for the Utah Jazz. I do like Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert. Appreciate what they do 
as a team. And then, of course, Damian Lillard is just an incredible player, so it would be nice to see him get to a finals as well. But that is going to wrap up our mailbag. That is going to wrap up another week of shows. Like I said, we are going to be back next week with the Ultimate Division crossover event. So we are going to have a lot of good content for you coming from all of the hosts of the AFC South Locked On podcast. It's going to be a really fun time, and I look forward to getting it out to you guys. So as always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked On Titans. For listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.